So it's 430 BC, and a plague is uh, crossing the city of Athens. And the historian Thucydides really gives us at that time the first description of what we now know to be immunologic memory. He writes that the sick and the dying were tended by the pitying care of those who had recovered because they knew the course of the disease and were themselves free from apprehension. For no one was ever attacked a second time or not with a fatal result. So one of the critical things about the immune system that allow, allows it to protect us from a broad range of infections, for example, and also cancers, is that it remembers. The second thing that's amazing about the immune system, it has an incredible diversity. So if you wanted to open one of these locks, and this is the, the Bridge of the Arts in Paris, these are lovers' locks, it helps to have a lot of keys. And indeed, T cells uh, have around a million different specificities, and there are actually 10 to the 12th T cells that circulate in our bloodstream, or a million million T cells, each with a different key that can fit into one of those locks. So this is also uh, a scene that took place in Paris. This is the French physician Alfred Valpeau, who really gave us the first description of a case of acute leukemia. So Valpeau described the case of a florist, and this florist came in with such a high white blood cell count that rather than the blood looking red, the blood actually looked milky white, and he described it as gruel-like consistency. And the spleen, usually a small organ that sits behind the stomach, was actually massively enlarged. And unfortunately, in the 19th century, and indeed through much of the 20th century, this was a fatal disease, and this florist indeed succumbed of the complications of a very high white blood cell count within days after the diagnosis. So if you look at the first 125 years of, of our understanding of acute leukemia, there were only about 1,000 publications, and that actually may sound like a lot, but over 125 years, it's not a lot. Uh, and there was really little progress. Patients were diagnosed, but they died almost immediately. Whereas the second half of the 20th century saw an explosion of both clinical and basic knowledge. And there we saw 175,000 publications uh, about acute leukemia. And this led to the development of combination chemotherapy, and indeed two doctors, Tom Fry and Jay Freireich at the Pediatric National Cancer Institute, started developing iterative combinations of chemotherapy that allowed patients to first be cured with chemotherapy for childhood leukemia. Doctors like me also started to perform stem cell transplants. And in the 1950s and the 1960s, we started to use combinations of high-dose chemotherapy and radiation, along with infusions of bone marrow and stem cells from other individuals or allogeneic or donor uh, cells to try and cure transplants. And indeed, what we found out uh, only uh, in the decades after that was that the infusion of, of both blood and marrow cells also carried with it T cells that came from the donor. And those T cells, not only could they um, uh, mediate the immunity to pathogens or, or infections in the recipient, but also mediated what we call graft-versus-tumor responses. That is, they could actually eliminate cancer cells that survived the chemotherapy or radiation. Unfortunately, when we do donor transplants, it's not so simple. Uh, and along with these good graft-versus-tumor response, we can also see what we call graft-versus-host disease, where healthy tissues in the recipient are, are the targets of inflammation, and this can affect the skin or the liver and the intestine. So we have both the good responses that prevent the cancer from coming back and also these undesired infl inflammatory responses in the recipient. So one of the key areas of research in my laboratory is actually taking the donor transplant and improving it by preserving the graft-versus-tumor responses and preserving the transfer 
of pathogen-specific immunity from the donor to the recipient, but preventing this undesired graft-versus-host disease or inflammation in the recipient. So we are interested in selectively inhibiting these bad T-cell responses, but not the good T-cell responses that help to keep the cancer from coming back. So if we look at where we are now, um, from the first description of acute leukemia to the development of combination chemotherapy, and then stem cell transplants, which we understand now to contain T cells that are critical for transplant cures, we've now seen a dramatic increase in the success of these procedures and indeed uh, the ability to transplant older individuals. Well, we talked about childhood leukemia, but unfortunately, most of the people who develop cancers of the blood, like leukemia, and cancers of the lymph nodes, like lymphoma, are actually older individuals who are much less likely to take these harsh approaches with high-dose chemotherapy and radiation. But the success of our, uh, our ability to understand that the immune system, indeed, was curing uh, the, the cancer, along with the chemotherapy, has allowed us to step down the doses of chemotherapy and radiation that we use in stem cell transplant. And this, to me, is a very remarkable figure. If you look at 2004, these are unrelated donor transplants facilitated by Be The Match, which is the largest bone marrow transplant registry. You see that the number of patients in the yellow over the age of 64 in 2004 who received an unrelated donor transplant is actually fewer than the number of patients under the age of 10. But if you look just 10 years later at 2014, you see a massive expansion in the number of patients over the age of 64 who un undergo unrelated donor transplants. And you see a, a very similar massive expansion in individuals over the age of 50. Well, why is this important? Because most of us are likely to develop cancer more frequently as we age, and the ability to do safe transplants has allowed us to, to significantly increase the ability of this curative therapy to affect the patients that it needed the most. The net result, and this is a slide that I love to show because this is childhood leukemia and there's nothing more compelling than this. It's a leading killer of, of children uh, uh, with uh, malignancies. And if you look at 1968 to 1970, these are patients who underwent trials uh, uh, through cooperative groups. And you can see that less than 10% of these patients uh, in 1968 to 1970 are alive at 10 years following the initiation of therapy. Or if you look at 2006 to 2009, more than 90% of the children undergoing childhood leukemia therapy. And this is both because of the successes of chemotherapy and the ability to cure patients who fail chemotherapy with stem cell transplants. Over 90% of those patients are well. But if you're an adult and you have a child with leukemia, 90% just isn't good enough. And the truth of the matter is that if you fail chemotherapy or if you relapse after stem cell transplant, you have less than a one in three chance of being alive long, long term. And that's not good enough for a child with leukemia. If you have lymphoma and you've failed more than two lines of therapy up front, you have less than 20% of responding chance of responding to your next line of therapy and less than a 10% chance of actually obtaining a remission with that line of therapy. So there's clearly a great need, one that we haven't completely solved with current uh, improvements in chemotherapy and stem cell transplant. So one way to deal with this is actually to take a patient's own immune system and re-engineer it to recognize cancer. I talked to you about the T cell and the fact that T cells have diversity. And again, those keys can fit into a large number of locks. Well, if the lock is actually the surface uh, protein on a cancer cell that can be recognized by the immune system, that key is the T cell receptor. Well, one way of making a T cell re-engineered to recognize a cancer cell is to by, by putting an antibody on it through genetic modification. Uh, and this antibody uh, cell is now called a chimeric antigen receptor cell. 
And, it, and, and as long as you have an antibody that recognizes a surface protein on a cancer cell, you can genetically modify the T cell that now has an individual lock. And when it gets infused into the patient, it'll see the target and then make more of itself as a living drug. So this is really a dramatically new way of engineering a, a patient's own immune system to recognize cancer. So what does this process of T cell engineering look like in the patient? Well, again, rather than obtaining cells from a donor, we're taking cells from the patient uh, himself or herself through a process called leukapheresis. We're modifying those T cells outside of the body, so they go to the manufacturer. Uh, the, the T cells are re-engineered with this chimeric antigen receptor that recognizes a specific cell surface protein, and the cells are now expanded from a few cells to billions of cells. They undergo quality and release testing, and then they're shipped back to the site where we give chemotherapy and then infuse those cells back into the, the patient uh, uh, himself. Uh, and we hope that those cells then go out and seek out and destroy cancer cells. So chemotherapy, it's important to remember, does not persist in the body. So when we give patients chemotherapy, we have to redose the chemotherapy. So we typically do that every few weeks or every few months. Uh, and what happens is that the cancer cells may respond, but if they grow again, the, the chemotherapy is not responding to that in any natural way. We have to keep redosing it, and we have to see that the cancer uh, is not responding. On the other hand, if you have a T cell that now recognizes a specific cell surface protein, it can actually go into the patient, persist and have memory, and actually expand when the cancer cell sees it. So the next slide that I'm gonna show you actually is a video um, of cancer cells, and these are actually glioblastoma cells, or brain cancer cells, uh, these long, uh, elongated cells, and these small fuzzy cells, and it'll become clearer when the video starts, are actually the T cells in the culture. So I'm gonna uh, start this video, and what you're gonna see is that these T cells, through the, the chimeric antigen receptor, or the new engineered receptor, are actually recognizing and killing off those glioblastoma, or those, those brain cancer cells. But in fact, they're not going away, they're actually multiplying, so they're recognizing and killing the cancer, and then expanding, so there are actually more T cells uh, at the end of the video than there were in the beginning, and the cancer cells are virtually eliminated. So this is quite different. It's fundamentally and conceptually different than when we give chemotherapy. Uh, and the importance of this is that, that the cells are effectively, effectively a living drug. So when we give what we call adoptive T cell therapy, the cells are infused, and they actually increase and then persist in the recipient. So if this cancer should now come back, the T cells are still there, they have memory, and they can now expand and basically pre prevent the cancer from coming back. So they persist and expand in the body, just like our, our own immune memory does when it recognizes viruses or other pathogens. So what does this actually do? Uh, and this, this is, of course, the important thing. So this is a, a slide that actually depicts areas of, of bright cancer cells around the shoulder of a patient with cancer who receive CAR T cells. This is day 11 uh, before CAR T cell infusion. And you can see here, see here by day 32, all of that bright shadow is gone. The patient is actually free of cancer cells. In this next slide, this is actually the first patient that we treated at Sylvester, a patient with lymphoma that had failed multiple lines of, of, of chemotherapy. And you can see actually this massive uh, black spot is actually a spleen that's been replaced by cancer. And these lymph nodes are actually lymph nodes that are actually around the aorta, a major blood vessel in the abdomen, uh, and we're in danger of eroding the aorta. Just two months after CAR T cell infusion, all of those uh, areas of, of black spots are gone, and by April, the patient still remained free of cancer. This is a dramatic case that we reported in our article in the New England Journal of Medicine that, that was associated with the approval of this therapy for lymphoma. 
And you can see that there are multiple areas of, of uh, lymph nodes in the abdomen, in the chest, and throughout the, the pelvic uh, area. Uh, by month three after infusion, all of those abnormal areas are gone. Uh, and at 12, month 12 and month 18, there's still no evidence of cancer. This is literally kilograms of cancer that's been eliminated by these CAR T cells that are engineered. So this is actually a, a picture of Emily Whitehead, who was the first child to be treated with acute leukemia uh, with this therapy. Uh, and I told you that we have a 90% success rate with chemotherapy, but if you are like uh, Emily's parents and you're facing a child who has failed to respond to therapy, 90% just isn't good enough. And Emily, indeed, was uh, at the point where she had exhausted all therapies. She underwent CAR T cells at the University of Pennsylvania. Emily got the privilege of visiting the White House because she was such a shining example of this new class of therapy. Very nice note that he wrote her saying, please excuse Emily from school, she was with me. So importantly, Emily was the first patient treated with acute leukemia, and that led to the FDA approval of, of this therapy for childhood acute leukemia uh, in children uh, and young adults up to the age of 25. And there was also a second approval, again, for lymphoma. So we now see this first description of acute leukemia. We see combination chemotherapy and stem cell transplants, and we recognize that T cells, uh, again, uh, are part of this critical uh, immunotherapy advantage. But unfortunately, immunotherapy is not all just uh, sugar and spice. Engineered these T cell therapies are very effective, but they can also be very toxic. This shows the temperature curve in a patient who was infused with CAR T cells. And you can see that just within hours of infusion, the temperature spikes to 103 to 104 degrees and stays there for five to six days. This patient also had significant cognitive impairment. Her ability to write at day four after the infusion she becomes unable to write a clear sentence at day five, but fortunately this resolves uh, in a reversible way by day six. But importantly, even though she had very, very high fever and again this neurologic impairment, the cancer that was present at baseline is completely gone by day 30. So again, significant toxicity associated with the inflammation that's caused by the expansion of these T cells, but again, a dramatic uh, and lasting response. So in 2017, we've really seen one target, CD19, which is a marker of, of childhood leukemia and adult lymphoma, and we've seen approvals again in these two diseases. But critically, there are over 150 registered clinical trials of a broad range of targets in both blood cancers as well as solid tumors. And at Sylvester, we have a number of trials of T-cell therapies in a broad range of diseases that we're now trying to translate. Not all of these will be home runs and lead to FDA approvals and breakthroughs, but we hope that some of them will. So to summarize, we have the first description of acute leukemia, but really for 150 years almost, no effective therapies at all. We had the advent of chemotherapy, which led to the first cures. Uh, and then we have stem cell transplant, which is really a combination of chemotherapy and immunotherapy. And, and I want to point out that there are 9,000 donor transplants performed in the US, and this is absolutely the right thing to do for most patients. But we now have this uh, era of more effective immunotherapies that we think can cure a broader range of cancers with less toxicity without the traditional uh, problems associated with toxicity. Thank you.